Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. We have come to John chapter 9. In the Gospel of John, John, he, the purpose of his writing the Gospel is that to tell us that Jesus did miraculous signs so that you may believe in him. That is given in John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So that's the purpose of this gospel. Today we are going to look at John chapter 9, the healing of the man born blind. And that's the sixth sign in, in the gospel, the sixth sign. Let's look into some, what I'm going to talk about, right? So first I'm going to speak about the background. So the first is the background, then I'm going to the outline of John chapter 9. In the outline, there are three parts. The healing of the man born blind, that is verses 1 to 7. The intense interrogation by the Pharisees, 8 to 34. And the judgment by Jesus. Now, I'm not going to number 2 and number 3. I'm going only to number 1, the healing of the man born blind. Maybe next time, I'll go for the others. But first, we go into the background. Background. Jesus is at the Feast of the Tabernacles. As in John chapter 7, John chapter 8, we come to John chapter 9, he's still at the feast, right? May not be in the temple, may be outside the temple. But now, Jesus notices a man who was born blind, and he's begging. That is given in John chapter 9, verse 1 and 8, which I'm going to read. It's not posted up. John chapter 9, verse 8, 1 and 8. And he, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. He saw. In verse 8, it says, and his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging. That means this man was a beggar. Now, later on, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 23, they asked his parents, and, uh, and his parents says, don't ask us, he is of age. Now, in the Jewish custom, being of age means after 13 years old. When a man is when a boy is responsible or a person is responsible for himself, right? So he, this this man is above thirteen, but the fact that he calls him a man in the Bible, it must be he's much more than thirteen, probably twenty, right? So I don't know, but I'm surmising. But that's the person that you are looking at. He's a beggar. He's born blind. He's above thirteen probably 20 years old. Now, it was a Sabbath, and Jesus chose to heal him on the Sabbath, and that upsets every, all the Pharisees. And how did he choose to heal him? He put mud on his eyes. He first, he spat on the ground and made mud out of the dirt over there, and the soil over there, and he put that on this man's eyes and told him to go and wash at, in the pool of Siloam. Uh, and he got healed. And he came back healed. Now, the temple 
leadership, the Jewish leadership, were very upset that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And they were so upset with him, and they intensely interrogated this blind man who got healed. So how did you get healed? Who healed you? Why did he heal you on the Sabbath? They intensely interrogated, hoping to discredit whom? Jesus. They knew it was Jesus. They was, they were, but the healed man resolutely held on to his testimony. He didn't budge, and he was excommunicated. Excommunicated. Don't think that it's a light thing to be excommunicated, you know, from your society, to be nobody looking at you. Quite a big thing. Those who are from non-Christian backgrounds who become Christians are excommunicated from their society. Their parents don't want to see them. It's a big thing. And the same thing happened to this man, but he held on to his testimony. And he eventually becomes a believer and a worshipper in Jesus. Now, the Apostle John often uses light and darkness to illustrate the ministry of Jesus. He says that Jesus entered a very rebellious and a dark world, and he brought light. And those who receive Jesus enter the domain of light and don't remain in the domain of darkness. So I'll just read out some verses to you. In John chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So he brings this light and darkness all the time. John chapter 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. What does he mean? Nobody wants to live in the dark. They love rebellion against God. They love to remain away from God. The darkness is total rebellion against God. God is light, and darkness is the opposite of light. And it means that they loved rebellion, right? Because their deeds were evil. John 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John chapter 9, which we are studying, verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, there are other verses too. I'm not going to go into it. Jesus, who is the light of the world, as an act of pure grace, touches this blind man. He's the light of the world. And this man was born blind, born in a world of darkness, physical darkness. But heals, Jesus heals this man. And this man acknowledges Jesus as Lord and worships him. The irony is that this blind man receives light. Jesus is the light of the world. This blind man receives light both physically and spiritually. Why spiritually? Because now he knows who God is and he is a worshiper of God. And so he has received light physically and spiritually. But the temple leadership, though physically seeing, remain in darkness. They remain in the world of rebellion. They remain in that. So that's the irony. Now, 
I want to keep on talking about this light and darkness. There was a comedian by the name of Bill Cosby. Some of you might have heard of him. He's still alive. And he once went into a hotel and, and, and he found that his friend, the great jazz singer Ray Charles, actually Ray Charles was a blind man. He got blind from the age of seven. Anyway, so he's a blind man. And he was in the hotel uh, and Bill Cosby went to visit him. Uh, and then when he, he heard some buzzing sound and then he was looking for Ray Charles in the dark. And he found Ray Charles shaving. So he says, hey, hey, Ray. He says, why are you shaving in the dark? Of course, he realized how stupid it was because Ray is blind. And Ray says, brother, I do all my work in the dark. You know? But you see, that's, he does all his work in the dark. He's blind. And all his work is in the dark, but that's he's physically blind. But there are people who are spiritually blind, and all their lives, they live in the dark. All their lives, they live in the dark. Now, many of our friends are unbelievers. They live in the dark. And when we talk to them and witness to them or relate to them, sometimes we forget that they are in the dark. We forget that these people are in the dark. You know, there are all the people from 130 or 150 delegates that are there, you know, coming for the seven-day retreat, they live in the dark. Therefore, we need to pray for them because it's a work of grace. Jesus came and healed this blind man as a work of grace. When you live in the dark, it's a work of grace that God would touch the people in the dark. Therefore, the ministry of prayer is so important because the people are living in the dark and they need the light to come into their hearts. We have in Adonai the ministry of prayer on Wednesdays in the morning. And I really urge you that if you can make it for that, do come because you are doing the work of God. You are bringing through your prayers grace to the lives of people who are living in the dark. Well, John chapter 9 is a magnificent illustration of what Jesus has been saying about himself. What has he been saying? I am the light of the world. That's what we looked at in John chapter 8. He says, I am the light of the world. And John chapter 9 is a magnificent illustration of that truth. And those who believe in Jesus will receive spiritual light and will be not left in darkness. And, but those who reject Jesus, listen carefully, those who reject Jesus will remain in spiritual darkness. They will remain in spiritual darkness. Like the temple leadership, they remained in spiritual darkness. Now, Finally, I mean, I'm still on the background of John chapter 9. We can compare quickly John chapter 8 and John chapter 9, right? Very quickly. So, just put it on. I got this comparison from A.W. Pink. A.W. Pink is a very good teacher of God's Word. He lived, I think, over two centuries ago, or one century ago, right? In John chapter 8, verse 12, 
we behold, John chapter 8, verse 12, we behold Christ as the light exposing the darkness. John chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, he actually gives sight. There he taught, I'm the light of the world. Here, he actually gives sight. John chapter 8, verse 59, the light is despised and rejected. In John chapter 9, verse 38, he is received and worshipped. In 58-59, the Jews went down, took up stones. The Jews stooped down, picked up stones, and tried to hit him, but he escaped. In John chapter 9, Jesus bent down, took mud, and brought light into this blind man. In John chapter 58, verse 59, Christ hides from the Jews. But in John chapter 9, he reveals himself to the blind man. In John chapter 8, verse 37, we have the Jews who had no, no, no place for God's word. No place. They rejected the word of God. John chapter 9, one poor blind man receives the word of God. In John chapter 8, verse 48, Jesus, inside the temple, inside the temple, was called demon-possessed. In John chapter 9, Jesus, outside the temple, John chapter 9, verse 38, Jesus, outside the temple, he is worshipped as Lord by this blind man. So, we are only looking at John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, right? The healing of the man born blind. The healing of the man born blind. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. So, we can divide this particular verses 1 to 7, into three subdivisions. The cause of blindness, the purpose of that blind man, and the healing of the blind man. Three things. The cause of blindness, the purpose of blindness, and the healing. So three things we're going to look at. That's all. Now, the cause of blindness. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 2. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 2. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 2. The cause of blindness from birth. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this is a very significant verse. Very significant, right? As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Who saw him first, the disciples or Jesus? Jesus. Jesus saw the blind man. The disciples only commented. And they commented quite insensitively. Quite insensitively. Who? You know, not understanding, not entering into the suffering of this blind man. But Jesus saw him first. Jesus always sees us suffering. Always notices us when we suffer. Always notices us when we suffer. It's not that he is turned away. People are insensitive. People make a lot of insensitive remarks, like these apostles. Why was he born blind? Who sinned? Who sinned? But Jesus 
is, of course, we come to realize later that he says, neither, neither, right? But first, let us look at this verse. See, the overall cause of suffering is always sin. Which sin? The sin of Adam. The overall cause, right, is the sin of Adam. And because of the sin of Adam, the whole of the human race is fractured. We are fractured people. We are depraved people, right? We are fractured. Those people who are coming for the nine-day or seven-day retreat, they are fractured. They are fractured people. They are hurting people. They are suffering people. The whole human race is suffering. Why? Because of the original sin of Adam. And sin entered the world and fractured the human race. And there is sin, this suffering of all types. Of course, the first thing is the suffering of death. But there is a suffering of disability. There is a suffering of being maimed. Disability during, because of war. There is a deformities, you know, from birth. Some people are deformed from birth. Like this blind man was. He was blind from birth. Right? And you can't say that this is the cause of it. You can't say that. There is, of course, suffering due to obvious sin, like vices, like gambling, alcoholism, and even, you know, laziness. That's, you know, your family suffers because the father is lazy, right? There is a suffering caused by violence and economic exploitation of one country by another, or one group of people by another. Uh, that's, that's obvious, but there are other sufferings, like sufferings due to war, sufferings because of genetic disorders, and you can't pinpoint saying whose fault is it. It's the overall sinful. It's the overall sinful. And there is suffering because of human error, like plane crashes, car crashes. There is a suffering caused by natural disasters, like tidal waves, earthquakes, you know, eruptions. We see it on the TV. It's a lot of suffering. There's a bag full of suffering. And there's a bag full of heartaches. And you can't pinpoint what is the cause. I mean, if you try to pinpoint, you can become quite insensitive to suffering. And Job... Who would have thought that his, his suffering in the book of Job, who would have thought that his suffering was because of the a dispute in the heavenly places? Who would have thought of it? But his friends thought, ah, he must have sinned. Insensitive. And God rebuked his friends. And so we need to be careful when we see suffering. We need to be absolutely careful about it. Jesus saw in John chapter 9, verse 1, he saw the man born blind. And then, I just want to read out to you. We will go about, go to it later. And they asked him, they asked him, whose sin was it? Whose sin? And, and he said, neither. This man nor his parents sin. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Right? This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The work of God is to give life, an abundant life. I have come that they may have life, and life in abundance. Right? 
The healing of the man born blind was to confirm this and was also to confirm that Jesus is the light of the world. The healing of the paralytic man was to confirm that Jesus has come to give life, but was also to confirm that he can forgive sins. He can forgive sins. But returning to the blind man, I want to look at the blind man. First, I want to look at his parents. They were once newly wed, the parents. They never, nobody asked them, do you want a child who is blind? Nobody asked them. They just got a blind boy. What a shock. What a shock. You see, when a person, the man and a woman gets married, they look at a bright future. They look at a loving future. All the families, they are rejoicing. And then suddenly, a child comes deformed. What a pain. What a heartache. Think about it. What a heartache. You know, it's a heartache for life. It breaks your heart for life. And this blind boy that came out, his parents must have been broken up for life. For life. And during those days, there was no braille or something like that. It was such a heartache. Such a terrible heartache. 20 years of heartache. And you know, these, the parents must have had other children. And the family income was diverted to the investment in the other children. And this poor blind boy was left out and he became a beggar. What a future. Bleak. Bleak and understand that he was blind from birth. He was in darkness from birth and he was hopeless. And he had no hope. And he had no future. And he was there begging. Just there begging. This is you know, when you see disabled children, and dis disability is not something that you can sweep under the carpet, it is there. And praise God that the Bible does not sweep these things under the carpet, but addresses that. Praise God for that. We have a Bible that talks about life. Life as it is. Life that is fractured. Life that has suffering in this world. The Bible talks about it. And the Bible talks about that Jesus has come to give us abundant life. And so we must look at this thing. And there is an answer. There is an answer. And one day, He will wipe every tear. That's given in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. One day, He's going to wipe every tear. Jesus has come. Jesus is the answer for all suffering in the world. People asked us, People say, if there is a God, if there is a God, why, why doesn't he do something about suffering? Because suffering is so much in the world. And the answer is, yes, he has done something about suffering. That's the answer. He went on the cross for our suffering. He went on. That's God's answer. He didn't leave us the way we are. He, that's the answer. That's the answer. Now, let's go to the purpose of God. The purpose of God, that God's work might be displayed in this blind man. In this blind man. So, verses 3 to 5. And neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
As long as it is day, we must do the works of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Right. Now, Jesus emphasizes one big truth so that the works of God might be displayed in Him. Concerning this man's blindness, concerning this man's blindness, He says, why, why was He born blind? He says, neither his parents sinned, nor did he sin, but this has happened, this blindness has happened, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Again, the purpose of God, that this work might be displayed in him. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened. What happened? This suffering happened, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Ah, what do you say? What? I mean, I mean a, a child born blind. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. It looks so cruel, but it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. Remember one thing, that suffering is in this world because of sin. And Jesus is the answer. Right? Remember that. Okay? Suffering is there. Somebody gets drunk, drives a car, and bangs somebody else. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. Suffering takes place because of the sin of this driver who drank. And like that driver who drank and banged, there are wars, there are this, there are that, there are that. All types of suffering because of sin. But Jesus comes into a fractured society and He wants to display His love and compassion. He wants to display His love and compassion. In other words, in other words, all suffering will have His ultimate meaning in the Saviour and the Redeemer. Jesus not left us in our suffering. All suffering will have His ultimate meaning in Christ Jesus. He is indeed the answer. Remove Jesus out of the picture and life becomes meaningless. Why do we suffer? How do we handle suffering? It becomes meaningless. The good news is that God is good and that he is a redeemer. That's the good news. In the case of this blind man, Jesus healed to demonstrate that he is the light of the world. Jesus is glorified in doing this, and the blind man receives the blessing. And later we know that this blind man became a witness because he stood resolute. He stood resolute. Now, I wanted to know something about this blind man, so I went into to, to figure out some church history. And church history tells us, you don't have to believe this because this is not Bible, but it is part of church history. Church history tells us that this blind man had no eyes. He had empty sockets. Have you seen blind people with having empty sockets? I have seen right? empty sockets. He had empty sockets. And Jesus put this mud inside that empty socket you know, and heal them, okay? Uh, and the mud is, is the earth, and we are made from the earth. We are made from that, right? So Jesus used the elements of earth to bring creativity in the man's eyes. Anyway, so, but this blind man also, he, he joined the church history. He joined Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, and this blind man joined him, and they went to France, and they started a church over there. Oh, that's, that's church history. 
And incidentally, church history also tells you the name of this blind man. His name is Celidonius. And the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church has canonized him as saint. And his, fest, and his feast, the feast of St. Celidonius, is one Sunday before Pentecost. That happens to be, Pentecost happens to be June 4th this year. One Sunday before that is May 28th. So, just want to give you this background information. But the purpose is, this, this blind man, God had a purpose in his life. God had a purpose in his life. God has a purpose in all our suffering. He has a purpose. In everyone's suffering, my suffering, heaven knows that I have suffered. But God has a purpose in all our lives. And the purpose of God is that you would glorify Him. That you would shine as a light. And in the case of this blind man, he went on, he went on to become, in the Bible, he went on to become a strong witness in, in other verses, in John chapter 9, he was a strong witness of Jesus. So all our suffering is not wasted. For God works all things together for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. So many of us are suffering. Many of us. In fact, there's one thing that's a guarantee. In this world, you will suffer. You will have trouble. John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Take heart. So, healing. The third part. Verses 6 and 7. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. It says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means scent. This is in the Bible. In the Bible. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, the point is, why did John the Apostle write the word means sent? Why did he write it? I mean, what big purpose does it give us? He says, the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. Why did he say that? And so that's a cue. A cue that John wants to talk about symbolism from these verses. Right? That's a cue. Sent. Jesus was sent by the Father. So often in the Bible, it is written over there, Jesus was sent by the Father. The pool of Siloam was from where the priest would take the water and he poured out the water in the Feast of Tabernacles, which we studied in John chapter 7. And he poured out the water and, and that water was the Spirit of God. Jesus says, all those, he says, I am that water. I am that water. He came and said, I am that water which the priest is pouring out. And they used to pour out and they would sing a song, uh, you know, from Isaiah. I know the English version. They sang the Hebrew version. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day they will say, praise the Lord. So that's, that's what they used to sing in Hebrew. Right? And so that water, he says, that's me. Huh? And if you believe in me, all those who are thirsty, come to me. Because out of your bellies will come rivers of living water. So that Jesus told them to go and wash from that pool. Because that pool was the Spirit of God. And he put mud into those empty sockets. Because that mud came from the earth. So this is a symbolism. But putting aside that, Jesus still reaches out to us. Still reaches out to us. 
And he reaches out and calls us. He says, Take, don't worry, in your suffering, come to me. In your suffering, in your problem, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Look, consider this blind man. You know, he must have heard you know, the sounds of Jesus spitting. He must have realized what it was. You know? And then he put something on his eyes and they were wet. Can you imagine? And then he was told to go into the pool and wash. He could have said, what's the use, man? What's the use? Just don't worry. Just don't bother. Don't bother. He could have said that. He could have said it. But he went and he washed. He went. You know, God could be speaking to you some things. He said, don't lose hope. He's still reaching out to you. Don't lose hope. Listen to me. He don't say, what's the use? What's the use? When you're suffering, when you're suffering, it's a dark world. Anybody who goes through suffering goes into a dark world. Otherwise, it's not suffering. It's a dark world. And Jesus said, look, I'm there. I'm reaching out to you. You must believe in him. And there's a small thing that he calls you to do. Maybe to go for the seven-day retreat or something of that sort. I don't know what. But take that step. Don't say, what's the use? Nothing is going to change. Take because Jesus is the light of the world. And he's available to all those who trust him. Anyway, I want to conclude. You see, blindness, you never come across a healing in the Old Testament of blindness. You won't come across that. Not a single miracle of healing in the Old Testament. But there are plenty of verses in the Old Testament that talk that one day, one day, the Messiah will come and He will bring healing. And I'm going to read those verses out. It's not there. Isaiah 29, let's see. 29 verse 18. In that day, the deaf will hear and the words, uh, deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Isaiah 30 verse 35 verse 4 to 5. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Isaiah 42 verse 6 to 7. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. The open, to open the eyes that are blind. To open the eyes that are blind. There are plenty of other verses. But the thing about it was that Jews knew, the Jewish leadership knew the Old Testament very well. They also knew that not a single man was ever healed in the Old Testament who was blind. We also knew that. And here comes Jesus who healed the blind. And a man born blind, he healed him. It was amazing. But they rejected him. With all the evidence that they knew, they rejected him. They knew that nobody else did such a thing, but they rejected Jesus. If you are there, and you're still making up your mind to receive Jesus as Lord, he will can come in. If you do make up your mind, He will come in and He will change your heart. He will give you the light of eternal life. You will understand the purpose of your life. In case you are suffering, and many of us do suffer, and you wonder why, like this 
man's parents, they must have wondered why. Why did it happen to us? Jesus has a purpose for your suffering. It's not, suffering is not without purpose. Jesus comes to give you life. He comes to touch you. He comes so that your light will shine in this world. 2 Corinthians 4.6 2 Corinthians 4.6 For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And our dark hearts will be touched by the Holy Spirit. And you will come to know the purpose of your life, eternal life. You will have that assurance. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com. 